0: Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission. Connecting people to Jesus and to one another. He had never actually met God. Although he had heard of those who had. Long ago in some distant way. And thus, of course... He never had actually seen God do anything out of the ordinary in his life or in the lives of anybody that he really knew. And thus, of course, he had never actually experienced a personal relationship with God, although he had heard of those who had long ago. And so he certainly gave An intellectual nod to God and to a relationship with him, but his life was too busy right now. He had heard many great stories about God's work in the past, but deep in his heart, he had some questions that he would like to ask God if he ever got the opportunity to. But those thoughts were really pushed away back in his experience because right now he was entirely too busy to give much thought to God at all. He was struggling. Life was difficult. He was in a hard place. He was having trouble making ends meet, let alone try and get ahead a bit. He just couldn't seem to do that his crops had been vandalized his stock his livestock had been stolen his farm had been ravaged and it just seemed to go on and on and so questions would have to wait to get priority in his own life let alone find god to ask him questions like why is this happening to me questions Like, where have you been, God? Questions like, why have you hung me out to dry and others with me? Questions like, why is everything so tough right now? Some time ago, I was standing on a beautiful Sunday morning after church just outside the church doors, shaking people out. And a woman came up to me and looked at me and said, Pastor, why is all this happening to me? I'm a good person. Those sorts of questions are certainly not new You and I may have struggled from time to time, or maybe many times with one or more of those questions. But we are not the first. A long time ago, there lived a man named Gideon. And in chapter 6 of the book of Judges, Judges chapter 6, way back there, just not long after the books of Moses, near the beginning of the Bible, And it says this in Judges 6, and beginning at verse 11 for the moment. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now, that's kind of a little detail Why would that detail be in scripture, and why would I care? What difference would that make to me thousands of years later? Well, if we went back to the beginning of the chapter, we would find out that the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian, seven years, and the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of the Midian, The people of Israel made for themselves dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. The children of Israel were in a horrible place at this time. And the fact that Gideon was threshing in a wine press demonstrates the horror of their situation. Now, I don't know how many of you know a great deal about farming or have ever tried to thresh But in those days, Gideon didn't have the latest combine. He didn't have a threshing machine. In fact, all he had was a stick that he would use to pound out the grain. And after he had pounded it out, he would take a fork and throw the grain up in the air and the chaff would blow away and the grain would fall down on the threshing floor that he had made, a hard place on the top of a hill because that's where the breeze is and you need a breeze for this kind of threshing. Now, Gideon is not doing that. He's at the wine press. Why is he at the wine press? Because it's down at the bottom of the hill. It's down where he might not be seen. He's trying to get enough food for his family without having those marauding Midianites come in and steal it all. That's how hard his life was. That's why he is down in the valley where he might not be seen using the wine press to thresh his grain. And as he's Working away, suddenly there appears to him the angel of the Lord. And what does the angel of the Lord say? The Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Wait a minute. (laughs) If there's one thing Gideon is not, it's a mighty man of valor. He's hiding from the Midianites to thresh his grain to get enough food for supper tonight. To be able to feed his wife and children. As we read through, you'll see that this man is not a mighty man of valor. So how can the angel of the Lord say, hail, mighty man of valor? It's because God is looking at what he is going to do in Gideon's life. And through Gideon, by his, that is God's power, he understands that in his present situation, Gideon's not this, but God sees what Gideon is going to be. And there's times in our lives too when we are desperate, discouraged, defeated. And we read in the scripture some of the things that God says about us and we say, that's not me. Let's see what happens to to Gideon here. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord. And now the questions come out. And now everything that Gideon has been hiding in the back of his heart, in the back of his mind, all of these things begin to spurt out from his mouth. And he says, God, I got a few questions for you. And what sort of questions? Well, questions of uncertainty. Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, if... You see, you say that he's with us, but I don't see that in my experience. So if he is, questions of reason. Why? Why, God? Why then has all this happened to us? Why? We constantly have questions of why. Questions of desolation. Where? Where is God? Where, is all, where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? Yes, God in time past did great things, but I don't see him doing them now. And those kinds of thoughts come into our hearts and into our minds right now. Questions of complaint. Again, where are all those wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us saying, but now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. You see, we must ask, whose fault is this difficult time we're having? Whose fault is all of this? Well, obviously it's God's fault. God has sold us into the hand of Midian. It's God that's allowed this. And you and I, in our hearts, and we hear people saying this all the time, if God is a loving God, why this, that, and the other? Why does he allow all of these things? Why does he allow the struggles that we're going through? And we we like to believe that it's not my fault. Somebody's got to be at fault. It must be God. And that's where Gideon was. He had, he had questions of false humility. Look at verse 15. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Whoa. <laughs> you know, of all the people in Israel that God could have chosen, he chose the worst one, according to Gideon. My father's house is the least in our tribe, and I am the least in my father's house, so I can't do it. Which brings us perhaps to pause and reflect on the fact that that was true, he could not. But then again, remember this, God is only interested in doing in my life what I cannot do. If I can do it, then why do I need God? God wants to do something in my life that I cannot do for myself. And God wants to do something in your life that you cannot do for yourself. And so someone comes and asks you, can you do this, can you do that? Maybe a pastor comes and says to you, could, could you teach a Sunday school class? or would, would you help in the youth group? Could you help us in the nursery? Whatever the task might be. Could, could you have a ministry that would be a blessing to other people and you immediately say, no, I couldn't do that. That's not my gift. I, 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 I wouldn't know what to do. But could it be that God might have something for you that you can't do, but he can. Could that possibly be? He had questions of resourcelessness. We are the the poorest. I, I have no ability. I have no strength. I've got no resources. But again, could it be that God might provide the resources if he called me to do something? Could it be that God would enable me if he laid on my heart the need for something that needs to be done? And he had questions of skepticism. Lord, if it's you, give me a sign verse 17 and he said to him if now I have found favor in your eyes then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me you see Gideon really didn't want to do this to do the thing that God was going to ask him Gideon was too tied up in his own little life, in his own situation, in his own struggles. How can I help somebody else? My own life is a mess. And so we ask the same kind of questions today, don't we? In Matthew chapter 13, there's a story about Jesus going back to his hometown, Nazareth. And he begins to preach there, and the the people who are listening to him say, whoa, wait a minute, who's this preaching to us? Is not this the son of the carpenter? They were wrong about that, but it seemed so. His brothers are with us, his sisters are with us, and who does he think he is? And it says, and Jesus did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Could it be that God has mighty works that he wants to do, but that you and I are not experiencing because of our unbelief? Our author says to us, he has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Let me go on in this third chapter of Lamentations. But, he said, my soul continually remembers it and bowed down within me. But, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Here is something that this man, who was struggling with bitterness of soul, could call to mind, and he found hope in it. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of Of the Lord. You and I may have to wait sometimes to see the goodness of God. We may have to wait to see the thing that God is going to do. We may have to be patient in a time of difficulty and heartache and struggle. One of our psalmists found that. He said, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Sometimes we, like him, are tempted to look at other people and say, they're doing better than I am. Why is all this happening to me? Why is my life falling apart? Why are people against me? Why am I struggling? Why am I hurting? But you know, God, in his mercy and grace and love, reached down to Gideon, in all of his hurt and all of his struggles and and all of his so seeming rebellion against God and his questioning of God's goodness. And the angel of the God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock. Gideon had said, "Let, let me give you lunch before you have to go. Then the angel of the Lord reached out. He, he had him put the food, the lunch, on, on a rock and pour the drink over it. And then he said, and then he reached out. Well, listen to this. Take the meat and the unleavened cakes and pour, put them on this rock and pour out the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat And the unleavened cakes, and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes, and the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. And I'm tempted to say, Well, (laughs) that's pretty cool. I wish the Lord would do that for me. I'd like to see fire come out of a rock. Well, I don't know what kind of sign God may give to you and me or not, but I do know that he already has. And in here we have the record of God's faithfulness, of God's love, of God's compassion. And in this book, I can find all that I need in this time of difficulty and struggle. But I need to know it to be able to understand what God wants for me and so we can see a change in Gideon's life. Look at verse 24. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. To this day it stands at Ophra, which belongs to the Abba As As Gideon begins to get a perspective of God, And God's call on his life, and what God wants from him, and what God is willing to do for and through him by his power, he finds that peace has come into his life. He built an altar and called it the Lord is Peace. When our hearts are in turmoil, When our hearts are in struggle, when we are hurting, when we are tempted to even shake our fist at God and say, God, why? God wants to bring peace and trusting in him, opening our hearts to his word can bring peace and can lead us into a place where we can be used by God. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9, 15, and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.